Welcome to TV Chinwag, where we take one part cheeky talk, two parts witty banter, and dump in a whole heaping spoonful of snark. It's TV Chinwag. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Jules. And welcome to another TV Chinwag, wagging our chins now for the 12th, 12th episode. Where has the time Sounds gone, boring. Ryan? That's a hell of a lot of TV we've watched. That's a, a whole baker's dozen minus one. <laughs> Actually, we should retire the word dozen. It's it's very imperial, and you and I come from metric countries, so let's call it ten plus two. Right, uh, a, a deca a deca liter plus two. Exactly. Where except it's not a liter, is it? Is it deca or desa? I'd say deca. I think there's one of each, isn't there? Quite quite possibly. Who knows? Have you been watching yeah. lots of TV, Ryan? I have. Oh, of course. Come on, Jules. It's summertime. <laughs> I got summertime. You've got to than... stay inside in front of the That's fan right. and back it, batten up the hatches and just watch television. Um... <laughs> Which is what you do in winter as well. So it's it's sort of a year round activity. Television, isn't that exactly. what the wonderful it's... thing about it? It is. There should be government programs and... to um, encourage people to watch more television. It's it's almost like our countries should have their own television network. <gasps> Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. What would yours be called? <laughs> Crap. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I I do have to mention. Uh, I don't watch a lot of television, as in television that's broadcast by the Australian crap networks, uh, but I have been over the last month or two because I've been watching Australian MasterChef because as we established with our reality TV show episode, I love a good um, food show or even a not so good food show, but I do love Australian MasterChef and it's amazing. I've, I've seen like advertisements on television. For products that I don't know how I've been living without. Um, <laughs> and because there's often something on after MasterChef that I, you know, leave the television on for, I've, I've watched like drama shows with ads in it. And that's a really crappy way to watch television. It is. I don't know how these people survive. <laughs> it's, it's, it's stunning having not, you know, spending most of my time watching, you know, streaming television or television downloaded from entirely legal avenues uh, that doesn't have advertisements. Um, it's it's just amazing um, how how the ads interrupt. How um, obviously, you know, we know that they force the form of the show in terms of you know act breaks and things like that. But um, I had totally forgotten. And the people who make ads, they're horrible people too, because the ads are usually <laughs> really really annoying. Well, that's not what you said about them last week when we reviewed Mad Men. Yes, but that's that was we don't don't have to actually watch the ads on Mad Men. Right. So the ads are only okay if you know the love story behind it <laughs> that happened at the office. Or if I have incredible, you can have nostalgia for the ads of the past, and I think we ah. all often have that. I'm sure there's a jingle or two that you can sing. I know I can certainly sing a few oh, jingles sure. from ads from the past, but current day ads, of course, haven't uh, got the patina of nostalgia yet, so they're just damn annoying. They don't have the balls. No. <laughs> uh, it's funny you actually mentioned that, because talking about um, your own country's cooking shows, there's one that I just watched uh, that's starting out now, it's brought to you by Shaw Media, who owns global television in Canada. Mm -hmm. Shaw, Shaw is actually a cable provider, and they started making their own TV shows, and they're bringing out an epic mealtime television show called Epic Meal Empire. I, watched <gasps> the first, I, I did watch the first two episodes, and, and it's Harley and the boys in L.A. trying to start a crazy cooking company, essentially. So it's sort of a scripted reality kind of a show. Um, but funny, I mean, they're pretty funny guys just should, to begin with, should, so. should we explain what Epic Mealtime is? Because I know there's probably some sad people out there who um, haven't haven't had Epic Mealtime in their life. And I did, sadly, uh, omit that from my reality TV show, I suppose, because it's a web series. Although, I right. mean, I, um, Epic we'll Meal... We'll have to do a web series episode <clears throat> one time. We, we will. We definitely should Good. do that. But Epic Meal Good. Time is basically a bunch of Canadian guys uh -huh. um, who make epic meals. And by epic meals, I mean they make things like a lasagna made out of 
cheeseburgers covered in bacon, covered in sauce, as they say. Sauce. Sauce always has bourbon in it, and there is usually about a truckload of cheese on top of it. They do things like, um, let's see, you know, you've heard of a turducken. Well, they do things like, uh, you know, a chicken inside a turkey inside a pig wrapped in bacon. Um (laughs) It, With baconated burgers on the side. Exactly, baconated burgers <laughs> on the side. It's um, it's it's sort of hard to describe. It's it's hilarious. There's all these characters on the show, uh, mm. who take part in these creations, which are both um at the same time repulsive and attractive, um, and it's hilarious. Do you like Epic Meal Time, Ryan? Uh, I do, although, I mean, I can only take them in small doses. Uh, I subscribed on YouTube, but to be honest, I haven't watched any of the newer ones in a while. It it gets a little bit old, and it is kind of disgusting what they do with food. Um, (laughs) It's a good one of those. at its max. If if you've got friends who haven't seen it, it's good to sit down and show them, because they're only short episodes. It's good to sit down and and shock them with three or four at once. And uh, I have some friends who watch it, so we usually update each other. If there's been a, you know, a particularly good episode on to to catch up with. So um, it's sort of hard to describe, but you you do need to watch it. It is a celebration of um, basically bacon and bourbon and um, doing gross things with food. Uh, And it's very funny as well. And they occasionally have sort of, Bizarre celebrity guests on. Bizarre in that you wonder why. How did they end up on here? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Jamie Oliver wasn't uh, too impressed when he was on. I don't think. <laughs> it kind of goes against his uh, ethos of his healthy. Of yes, there was no kale involved. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, definitely not approved by the American Heart Foundation. It's um, but yeah. Look, check out Epic Meal Time, and I will look forward to. Epic Meal Empire, is it called? Empire, that's right. Fantastic. Um, I've got a little bit of news, I suppose. The uh, the big TV event of the week was Sharknado 2 on Sci-Fi, which um, I think became Sharknado's biggest, uh, Sharknado Sci-Fi's biggest night of viewing ever. It was certainly for an or- original movie. It got 3.9 million viewers and uh, exploded all over Twitter. I'm a huge fan of the first Sharknado. I haven't had a chance to watch um, Sharknado 2 yet, but I'm sure I will. Um, and I hope it brings many, many, many dollars and happy shark moments to sci-fi because um, it's it's a good investment in, you know, original programming. Are you a Sharknado fan? Uh, no, I never watched the first one. Um, and I didn't watch the second one either. Oh. I, uh, I did listen to the How Did This Get Made episode that just came out yesterday. And uh, they were talking about the episode and how ridiculous it was and Oh, it doesn't make sense, and there's stupid things. But I think all in all, I think everyone seemed to quite enjoy it. Well, yes, I'm. Um, I'm they, 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 li- they said they didn't like it quite as much as the first one, but all in all, it was good. I'm a big fan of sci-fi's um, monster mashup movies, particularly uh, the Shark to Pussy, Shark to Puss, I should say, not Shark to Pussy, mm-hmm. Shark to Puss series. You know, um, uh, Piranaconda, all those sort of ones. Uh, they're Heaps of fun, great Saturday night movies, and um, totally, totally ridiculous. Don't get people who who trash on them because they are just so much ridiculous fun. They're the bad movies that you love to watch, um, but they're deliberately bad. Um, and um, you should watch it. And Sharknado is amazing because there's sharks in a tornado. I was very excited about it at work when um, I was at work when it was airing and it was all over Twitter and we were on the edge of having a huge storm hit my city, um, which was coming up from the Antarctic. And so I was thinking that maybe it would have sharks in it and was trying to explain this to my workmates. Um, who? Ag- I think that if it was coming from the Antarctic, there's better odds it would have penguins in it. 
quite possibly and a lot less scary, I think. <laughs> a thousand times cuter, though. A thousand times cuter. We actually have um, we have fairy penguins here in Melbourne, um, uh-huh. and, and that would be even cuter if there were lots of fairy right. penguins fa- flying out of the sky. They're really they're really little. Um, but yes, that would be the that would be the fanciest tornado. <laughs> It'll be a fabulous tornado. <laughs> right. Uh, so that uh, that's my Sharknado news. I'm very fond of Sharknado. I might get a sh- When will you watch it? Will you watch it? Oh, yeah, I'll watch it. It's Saturday night here tonight, so uh, I'm not going out. I'm uh, I'm packing for a holiday I'm going on, so I might um, do... Oh, where are you going on holiday? Oh, I'm leaving the country, and I am Sharknado-style hitting North America uh, in Los Angeles and somewhere up north, a little outpost called Vancouver. Oh, we should get together while you're here. Do you want to do a podcast or something? No, I'm busy. Um, oh, right. Well, that's, 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 that's okay. <laughs> Let me see if I can squeeze it into my schedule and maybe we will have a live podcast. Oh, I'm so excited now. <laughs> I'll probably have to watch a shitload more TV between now and then, but hey, a couple of, uh, a 14-hour flight, uh, you can fit in a few episodes. You can fit in a season of something. <laughs> yes. Well, we should get on to talking about the shows for this week. Cool. What shows are we talking about? We're talking about two shows which I have i have to say I had not seen and I'd only vaguely heard of before you recommended them, uh, and that's House of Lies and Episodes. Cool. Which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, let's start with House of Lies. They're both, um, they're both Showtime series. And why don't we start off, you can start us us off with who is in the House of Lies. My name is Marty Khan, and I'm a management consultant. Hi. Hi. There's nothing they wouldn't say to close the deal. Your company will fail. Bankruptcy. Armageddon. Pokeed in the pokey. Except the truth. That spending figure, where did you get that? That's FMA. From my ass. Be thankful they're on your side. I just had a client lunch, closed a $4 million piece of business. Unless the client was your penis, I'm going to challenge that. We are here to restore your team, your entire organization, to its former glory and make it better than it's ever been. Perfect. Is there anything that you won't do? They're the 1%. Sticking it to the 1%. This is what we call a good day. When you have the guys who have the world by the balls, by the balls. Don Cheadle is Marty Khan. You have serious issues. I know. House of Lies. New episodes, Sundays at 10, beginning January 8th. I know you just checked out my ass. I may have. And? Not bad. Thank you. House of Lies is starring um, Don Cheadle, Kristen Bell, Ben Schwartz, you. and Aussie boy Josh Lawson, as well. Is he Aussie? He's Aussie. He's not only been on; he's been on every um, Australian show. Yes, claiming he looks so different. Claiming that one. Oh, he's awesome! I, I, he plays Doug Guggenheim. Um, the Goog. So the Goog. The Goog. So all four of these guys, they work for a company and they are um, business analysts uh, that are hired to usually pump up companies and either make them more money or take them to IPO. Uh, They're consultants. And really what it is about is their ability to lie and cheat and promise clients the moon and not deliver anything or deliver, you know, semi-deliver the goods. Uh, But it's more about them being compulsive liars or compulsive a douchebags? I don't know. Is, is that <laughs> Profes- the right word? Professional um, douchebags. <laughs> professional connivers, um, and, and working as a team. And and Don Cheadle's just awesome in this. He, he's got such a great personality. He plays Marty Khan, whom actually the show is based on a books uh, series uh, from a guy named Martin Kin, yes. which is very close to Khan, um, which is all about how to be a consultant. Well, which has the cheat your way yes the wonderful title of house of lies how management consultants steal your watch and then tell you you tell you the time <laughs> then tell you the time exactly um and he plays marty khan whom Kristen bell ben schwartz and joss lawson's characters fall under him as his um management team that he brings into businesses to get them 
up and running. Uh, so it follows them in a lot of these cases, but it does it in a really cool and edgy kind of way where, um, you know, they'll be having a conversation and all of a sudden everybody will freeze except for Marty Khan, Don Cheadle's character, which he then faces the camera, addresses, breaks the fourth wall, everybody's frozen. He explains to you the situation on, you know, what the client really wants and what he's going to tell him but what that really means and how he's going to be undercutting him or, you know, uh, pulling the wool over his eyes. And uh, then he goes back to his mark and whoop, everything goes back into motion and carries on. So it's a really cool look at how, like, it's a cool way to look at how people are being screwed over, I guess. Or, um, you know, the what's driving these characters, what's driving them to do what they do. Yeah, it's um, it's a an interesting mashup. Yeah, a lot of fourth wall breaking. Um, sometimes yeah. as obvious as that when they they freeze frame everyone else and 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 um, Marty comes and has a, a chat to the audience. Sometimes it's just him, you know, winking to camera or something. Um, it's a really, you know, we've talked before about uh, how you and I have a lot of disdain for the the standard uh, sitcom on TV, and you know, I think this is in a run with the other show comedies we've talked about, um, just so fresh and it's a workplace comedy, it's a relationship comedy, it's a sex comedy, it's a satire mm -hmm. on, you know, certainly post-global financial crisis, the the whole mm -hmm. hollowness and, um, you know, sort of self-perpetuating industry that of management consultants particularly and, and certain aspects of business that don't actually... They don't make anything except a lot of money for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, right. They are selling lies, as you said. And, you know, their main aim when they go into a company is to basically get them on the hook so that company will keep paying them for years and years and years um, and, they, you know, they get a regular income. They're less concerned about whether they're actually doing a good job to make that company as profitable or as expand or whatever, it's it's all about um, you know getting them on the hook. It's the the four central characters are hilarious and mm -hmm. repulsive mm -hmm. and engaging. Um, Don Cheadle is you know again we've talked before about uh, movie actors coming over to TV and you just think thank God he found this as a vehicle. I mean most people will know him as. You know, you know, he's been in a number of movies and he's usually, you know... Hotel Rwanda, you won an Oscar yes, for, I think, didn't Yes, yes. A very, right. very different role. Um, yeah. And... Well, he was he was a manager, manager in Hotel Rwanda, <laughs> yes. wasn't he? Yes. Well, it's it generally Hotel Rwanda, not a thigh-slappingly hilarious movie. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> the Rwanda in the title, probably a little giveaway about that. But he right. is... Just wonderful, and the creation, um, and I've no idea how how close he is in reality to the real uh, character he's based on. But the creation of Marty Khan is just wonderful. Um, yeah. Is this you know quick talking? You know he's brutal in his dealings, both personally and professionally. But then you get these little glimpses. Um, you know that there is—it's not just a caricature or a, a two-dimensional uh, portrayal of the, this person, as you often get in sitcoms. You get these little things dropped throughout the series that make him into an actual person. So he—he mm -hmm. he lives with his uh, well, on and off his his grandfather, uh, his grandfather, his father. Um, we we know that his his mother committed suicide when he was young. He's got an ex-wife who leads the top management consultants. Uh, the consultancy in in town. Um, it's I should should add it's set in LA, uh, and she is just wonderful. She's she's like the female version of Marty, and um, they mm. have this um, what would you call it a hate hate relationship. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and his wonderful son Roscoe, who's I think ten in the um, in in the first series, who's is he ten? Okay. Yes, yes. I think he, yes, he's ten in in the first that would make sense. series, and yeah. he's this child living you know in this you know because his dad's off basically their job involves traveling the country continually so his dad's largely absent uh although he he loves his son and wants to be a, a good father and his son is this wonderful character who's i suppose gender queer is probably the best way i can put it he cross dresses uh his sexuality is uh fluid let's say um and He's also, you know, quick-witted um, 
and adds that, you know, human dimension to Marty without any schmaltz, which, you know, is anathema mm-hmm. to me. It's not a, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that he, Marty comes home and suddenly he's all wonderful. No, he's definitely not. And this character of Roscoe is just so such an interesting and and wonderful character, uh, and played by such a young actor. I mean, the the, the actor uh, Donis Leonard Jr. is his name um, pulls it off great. In the later season, and I just finished watching the third season, um, he actually gets a love interest who's a who's a uh, well a trans uh, female to male, um, who's sort of playing. His well, I don't think Roscoe identifies as female. No, no, he doesn't. Um, but his girlfriend, boyfriend, identifies as male. Yeah, so I guess boyfriend, his boyfriend. Yeah. Um. So again, it throws a lot into and and Marty has a serious problem with this and um and there's a bit of a confrontation in regards to it, it's more actually this character is a. a and a dick, yeah. an, an asshole, and abusive, uh, a little bit controlling over Roscoe. So there's a bit of a, a struggle with that. Um, and it turns out that the love interest is actually having to go home as a female and then changes to male when right. he goes out. It's, it's a real huge dichotomy that happens. Anyways, it's um, really an amazing story arc that, that's played mm. out in the, a matter of five or six episodes. Um, so really interesting um, way of looking at a father-son relationship. Um, and in an environment and- where it, it, in some ways, when you describe it, it's... it's um- so not in opposition, but it's such a juxtaposition to the rest of the um, interactions because you do get to see Marty's humanity in trying to struggle with both his relationship with his son and his father. Um, yeah. a, and again, a character where, but he, it's one place he can, uh, in the in the business world, he feels that you know he certainly he's in control. He's in control, and he gets to do what he yeah. wants to do. And suddenly, when he's not there, um, and I think because of his own childhood and that, we get to see this. And it's done in a in a way that doesn't um, put off the the whole tone of the show either. I mean, it, it doesn't. Um, you don't have the very special episode every few episodes. Where, where there's, uh, you know, a Cosby moment. It, it's it's done with a lot more elegance than that. Um, Kristen Bell is, uh, who works for, for in Marty's team, uh, I've been a Kristen Bell fan since Veronica Mars days, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I've always thought she had amazing comic skills, and it's great to get to see her, you know, playing an adult here, and... Um, mm-hmm. Again, she's another person who can be, you know, who's cutthroat in the in the job and and in her relationships. But, um, you know, you then get these moments where you see her vulnerability um, and and the the chemistry between her and um, and Don Cheadle is just fantastic. Oh yeah, it's fan- it really is. Both of these guys are just like a step above. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, they're really, really talented and funny and, and sharp, and they really have enveloped these characters. And then you, entirely. then you've got them, uh, the with the if you like the two fools in uh, the characters played by Ben Schwartz and Joss Lawson, who um, really I could you know they're they're almost a whole show in themselves with the banter between themselves and they're both I mean Ben how do you describe Ben Schwartz's character I mean I want to bloody smash him over the face most of the time you could not bear to be in the same room as this guy but God is he funny Mm -hmm. and his timing is just brilliant. He's delightful. He's my favorite part of the show. And I know, I don't know him, but <laughs> I, I, I have seen Ben Schwartz on uh, a different things. And one of the things was a Jake in the Mirror video from College Humor. Yes. And Ben Schwartz was actually on a few times. And he actually did a crossover, Jake in the Mirror, with one of the stars of the show that we've already talked about, which was Silicon Valley. Yes, yes. Do you remember when we yes, talked I about do. that? Yeah, and anyways, they had, they had a crossover. Um, really funny actor, 
really great at improv and that's sort of his background where he comes from um there's actually a house of lies live episode yes, I watched that. which is all of these guys doing improv did you see yes it? it's at um ucb which is the upright citizens mm-hmm. brigade in uh, los Feliz in los angeles um yep. uh, where you know uh ben schwartz did you know basically got his chops as, as a comedian and they do this long form improv which is just amazing it's um right. it, it's well worth watching and i'm excited because i'll be um staying just around the corner from the ucb in a week's time oh that's and hopefully awesome. i'll get to see something awesome yeah, very cool. And I, I didn't know that Josh Lawson was uh, Australian. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, because I like his character, Doug, and he actually has, I think, a little bit bigger of a role in season three. Yes. Um, we sort of follow up on him, but I mean, it's just funny every time he's talking, everyone's like, shut the fuck up, Doug. <laughs> Doug, shut the fuck so, up. Everybody. I mean, it's funny because his character is, is probably the one who <clears throat> actually has concrete you know, excellent work skills that we get to see, but right. the char- but his um, his character is an absolute, well, socially challenged would be a word for it. Right. <laughs> um, and the dynamic between him and, and Ben Schwartz, which is just non-stop, you know, taking taking the piss out of each other. I mean, it, it, it's it's it, uh, frat boys with MBAs um, basically, mm-hmm. and. Um, and wonderful, and yeah, no. Uh, Josh Josh Lawson was—he's been on just about every Australian. The few shows we actually have here on Australia, in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, including you know some um, some of the teen soapies. But he was on an improv uh, comedy program we had here a few years ago, which was hugely successful, called "Thank God You're Here," um, which I think someone in America tried to relaunch there and it didn't work, but it was a, a, a series, mm. uh, improv series on telly here that was um, was very good and I must hunt down some of his um, episodes of that. Um, mm, there's lots of sex, quite a few bits of drugs. Um, mm-hmm. Generally not sexy sex, though, is it? <laughs> no, no. Well, Marty, Marty does, but... Um others than than that it's very chagrined uh depends who he's with <laughs> they're not generally happy people are they in a way if you if you, no, they're no. they're driven uh they're, mm-hmm. they're smart but there's there's uh, you know there's something about them that uh you know they're people who are always wanting more but they have no idea what they actually really want Right, which is weird because their whole business is telling people what, what they, they what want. they want. Yes, so um, right. that that drives it. There's a, a raft of wonderful supporting characters. Uh, occasionally turning up is the one of my favourite um, comedians, Mo Gaffney, who turns up as the principal of uh, Roscoe's Steiner-esque school, um, and uh, she's fantastic. And um, the actress. Um, Who's Dawn Oliveri, who plays uh, Marty's ex-wife? Um, I adore her, and she's sex on a stick. Um, uh, although she looks like she'd bite your head off after she fucked you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Marty would agree yeah. with that. <laughs> um, so lots of lots of um, lots of good supporting cast as well. And as I said, it's a smart show. It um, mm-hmm. I, I particularly relate to it because I work in an area where we often get consultants in. So phrases like right. uh, helicopter views and burning platforms and agile organisations <laughs> are stuff right. that I have to sit through presentations on um, uh-huh. and all that sort of management speak and the fact that people can't actually just say things in normal words. They have to make up ridiculous um, metaphors and, and catchphrases for everything. So I, I adore it just on, on that level. Um, I adore the the family stuff, and certainly, as we've mentioned, the the gender and sexuality stuff with Roscoe. And it's also, I mean, this is one of the few shows on TV with uh, a black lead character. And I think, really, is you know, I, I think he's quite a unique character in that in that way. Um, it, it's the mm-hmm. sort of you know sort of lead role that usually gets played by a white guy. And there's again, as with the him being a father, there's just these interesting twists where his race is brought up about how he deals with being the fact that sometimes he'll walk into a company and he knows the CEO's racist and that he knows he has to step aside and let 
Christian Bell's character take over because there's absolutely right. no point in him opening his mouth. He has to, you know, he has to look at his shoes and stand to the back. And um, it's uh, there's an incident where he gets bashed by some police. And that I found really moving because he's a character who, oh, God, you know, he's always... He's, Always in trouble, you know. He's he's out all night taking drugs and screwing the wrong people and all this, and that's mm -hmm, the sort of stuff mm -hmm. he goes to work and brags about. But this mm -hmm. getting bashed up by the police, basically for the crime of being black and on the street at night, the mm -hmm. the that shifts. You know, normally if it, if he had been punched by some guy, as he often does get punched in this show, mm -hmm. that's a badge of honour. And then the the different meaning that this has to it, I thought was just dealt so well within the show. Again, without it going into the very special episode, sort of uh, didactic, mm -hmm. hit you around the head mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it affected him quite seriously yes. for a long time, right? Um, in the third season, we get introduced to one of the main ongoing things uh, is this company called Dalahide, which is run by Mackay Pfeiffer, who you might know from um, yes. Seven Miles, yes. what it's called? Seven Miles. And uh, T.I., the rapper. Uh, they play two hood rats that ha have come up together and have created this brand called Dalahide. And it, they come to Conan Associates to take them to the next level, develop an IPO. And you sort of get to see this really interesting play where Mackay Pfeiffer's character is far more mature and is embraced being wealthy and and takes on the role of the uh, you know the the classy businessman where ti's character plays a street thug with money still right. and sort of the company has to come up in between them and try to get them either working together or separated so that's wow. kind of a cool mm. cool thing because it sort of shows you know two sides of of where the money is going to go so um for marty i think especially it's kind of a it's kind of looking at his paths he could take or, or has taken. Sort of, sort of. I might be looking at it too far, but uh, but great performances and really interesting uh, plot that goes along with that. So uh, third season's not to be missed. It was. I was really glad that I went back and watched mm. it because I'd actually only watched the first couple and then forgot about. Them. Well, I've uh, only. I'm only until we did this. I went. I've back. been binge watching, and I'm up to I think episode three of season three, and I will be. Um, oh wow! Okay. Finishing as soon as possible because look, this is it, it's a. I've found myself really not being able to stop watching it. That's how much I liked it. Um, and and engaged yeah, with yeah. the characters like uh, at, at the same time as as I said, they're not always nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah. I, I wanted to go back for more and there's sort of a, a, a big event that happens at the end of season two that really, you know, makes you want to know what happens in, in season three. But it, I think it's so well, so well written um, in that uh, they can create these characters who are hilarious and, you know, in a way bigger than life, but also you can still connect with. I think it's just some, some fantastic writing. And I think, I think Don Cheadle has won a... An Emmy or a Golden Globe or something for, for yeah he's won a Golden Globe and an NAACP award right. and he was nominated for an Emmy but he didn't win. Um, I, I definitely think he could. I mean, he plays such a great character, does such a convincing job of it. I mean, I when I think of Don Cheadle, I think of Marty Kahn. Yeah. Like, if I was to meet John Cheadle in real life, I would expect him to be exactly <laughs> like Marty Kahn. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, look, and and um, again, Kristen Bell. I think it, it gives uh, you know another a, a wonderful new role for her to play, and and again to get to stretch both her both her comedy chops and and her dramatic acting, um, and um, and to look gorgeous because I'm really shallow like that, um, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. play against type uh, in, in in many ways. And look, I I just. Everyone listening to this, go and watch some House of Lies. It's not going to be for everyone because, you know, comedy is a personal taste. But um, seriously, this this is laugh out loud. And, and as I said, it's smart. And it's, it, you know, I think it's got a bit of comedy, to, comedy aspects to appeal to a right, wide range of people because some of it's really broad, um, the hangover three type humour. <laughs> um, mm -hmm, and a lot mm -hmm. of it's more... Um, you know, pointed and thinky satire. So, um, you know, I think it 
I think if you watch the first two episodes and it doesn't do anything for you, I think you're safe to to stop watching it. I, I mean, I think they're pretty encapsulating yes. as to the entire I, show. I would totally agree with that because I, I think I'd put off getting into it. I thought I had the idea it was some sort of leverage type show. I don't know if you ever watched mm-hmm. Leverage. Um, yeah, yep. Except they were management consultants rather than grifters. And I sort of thought it was mm-hmm. going to be like that. But, oh, my God, this is this is on a whole other level. Um, and, again, sort of pushing what we what's normally normally thought of as comedy on TV. Um it's smart, it's adult, it's um it's very, very funny. So please go and watch House of Lies. It's just finished the third season. Um so you've got a <laughs> It has been renewed for a fourth yes. season. So pl- Which is great. I'm really interested to see how they're gonna resolve that shit. <sighs> I'll know what you're talking about by the end of this weekend. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it has the Holy Trinity, swearing, sex, and violence. Well, not a lot of violence, but uh, it's got there, the Holy Trinity. A, well, so. it has drugs. Can that, that can be part of the... <laughs> sure, yeah. Interchangeable. Interchangeable. Yeah. Um, so go watch House of Lies. now. And it is on Showtime, so you will see boobs. You do see boobs and the occasional butt. But it's... Um, right. There's a lot more talking about sex than there actually is having of it and talking about it in incredibly crude and amusing ways. Um, Very descriptive language. <laughs> uh, and on to our next uh, Showtime comedy, another show that I have to um, tip my hat to you to introducing me to, which is Episodes. <laughs> they say laughter is universal. Let's talk about casting. Uh, yes, well, we've already got Julian committed to recreate the role of Lyman, so that's half the battle right there. Merck loves the show. Julian is the show. Yeah, um, Merck may not have actually seen your show. Has he seen it? No. But in Hollywood... There is an actor available, hysterically funny, and he's ready to come back to TV. Really? Who? Things have a funny way of getting lost in translation. Matt LeBlanc. For the erudite, verbally dexterous headmaster, you're suggesting... Joey! And so what, you want me for the old fat guy's part? Thanks. We don't want you. Again. Thanks. I'm totally wrong for it, aren't I? Spectacularly wrong. Come on, you gotta help me here. I kinda need this to be a hit. At least something they can't make fun of on a talk show. (sighs) We gotta get someone great for Nicola. She's gotta be strong and smart. Classy. She's a librarian in a boys' boarding school. I'm guessing it's not within her job description to show the boys her vagina. They might go to the library more. Yeah. Morning's character, does she have to be a lesbian? Yes. Or does she? Yes, she does. Are you sure? Yes. What if she isn't? It would not be as good. Or would it? It would not. Are you sure? Yes. Right. How long do you think Ross and Rachel would have lasted if Rachel had been a lesbian? Or Sam and Diane on Cheers? Or Frasier and... I don't know who. I never watched that show. You like him. I do. You What would you have done if you weren't doing this? Porn star. I kind of have what you need to make it in that business. We hung out there for a bit. Then he uh, showed me his and we flew home. It's enormous. Like a sea creature. Like something out of Jules Verne. Right. Now, Episodes is a show on Showtime that is about two English writers who wrote a very successful television series in uh, England called... Do you remember what it was called? Boys? No. Um, no, I've forgotten. S- somebody's, somebody's Boys. Somebody's Boys, uh, that's right. I can't remember. Set, Sorry. Set, set, and, set, set in a, um, uh, a boys' school. Um, but. Right. Um, and, and it was about a headmaster and his interaction with the boys. And it was a huge hit, and so it was bought by America, and they said, come on over to Hollywood and come and create your show here. Uh, uh, uh. We know that's not (laughs) going to end well for anyone! Right. (laughs) (laughs) So the two writers, and and they're really our main characters, come to Hollywood. Who are husband um, and wife? Stephen Mangan and Tamsin Grieg, um, husband and wife Sean and Beverly Lincoln. Uh, as the writing duo and executive producers. 
So they come to America to recreate their beloved English television show. Which has won BAFTAs um, and, you know, is, has been highly lauded over there. So- it, and a uh, very highbrow. It's similar to like a... a, a um, Downton uh, Abbey with Dawson. teenagers in it. I don't know. I just yes, Downton Abbey. <laughs> no, Downton Abbey is absolutely what I was thinking. I don't know why I was thinking Dawson's Creek. English Dawson's Creek. Yes. It's sort of a Mr. Chips. Yes. Does anyone remember the the movie Mr. Chips? Nobody, Nobody remembers, remembers that. Mr. Chips. Um, people should watch no. old movies. Um, anyway, it was called Lyman's, Lyman's Boys, Boys. By the way, Lyman's and, and, Boys. And uh, the um, the the role of the headmaster is played by a, a very respected you know English actor from the stage um, mm-hmm. anyway that that's sort of beside the point about what the the show the the TV show that they <laughs> uh, had made was but of course they come to America where expectations are somewhat different and are thrown into Hollywood <laughs> right where immediately they now change it from a boy's school to a hockey team and instead of a respected English actor they instead cast Matt LeBlanc as the coach of the boys and that's Matt team. LeBlanc playing Matt LeBlanc <laughs> right uh, and then change the name to instead of Lyman's boys to Pucks <laughs> which is so spot on it's, it's just so funny so that's essentially what it's about and it's about these two writers shaking their heads at the fact that Hollywood is fucking everything up and even though they're on board and executive producers, um, they really have no control over their own product and, and what the Americanization of their own product. So it's a wonderful, uh, if you like, fish out of water comedy because you've got these two, you know, uh, English English TV writers who, who are plonked into the middle of Hollywood where, you know, American stuff aside, the, the whole culture around, you know, the entertainment industry is, is, is very different. Um, you know, they're put up in this huge... Um, palatial mansion uh, in in LA, uh, which hilariously has been used to apparently film a no- number of reality TV shows and has like um, uh, fibro pillars in the middle of it and a, a front door that talks to you like a car door. And anyway, um, <laughs> it's it's. Um, I mean, if you compare it to House of Lies, it's a comfy jumper and a cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. in, in in as far as style goes, but again, it's a workplace comedy, and it's about relationships, and it's smart. <clears throat> it breaks the fourth wall differently than House of Lies, in that here we have Matt LeBlanc playing Matt LeBlanc, <laughs> a real douchey version well, of Matt LeBlanc. Well, well, just, just a sec. We don't know what really Matt like LeBlanc is really like, <laughs> but we should say that the, the the series is created by David. David Crane and Jeffrey Clarick. And the interesting thing um, about these two is David Crane is actually the creator and producer of Friends. And Jeffrey Clarick uh, mm-hmm. was a producer on Mad About You, which, and I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast is old enough to remember Mad About You. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so, and, and a number of actors that they've both worked with um, turn up in, in episodes. But you can tell that. Um, uh, sort of entourage style that there's there's certainly a bit of their own experiences of the of the TV industry um, right. and filming yeah. a um, a sitcom uh, as as Pucks is, um, is is brought into this. So a lot of um, how did you as a as an industry person, albeit in a different country, how did the the TV making side of things uh, appeal to you? Um, I, I thought it was great, and again, it's a it's a far hop from where I am in like the post production production side as to studio side. But I mean, I, I I think it's a scream. The stuff that they do, the personalities of the people who work for the network are just so funny and just so out to lunch that you can definitely see why these big networks. If if there's a kernel of truth, you can definitely see why they keep turning out absolute <laughs> shit. Is these people are just such ass kissers and uh, yes men that nobody can can actually you know put any art into anything. Um, so that, in that respect, I really enjoy it. Um, I, I enjoy the the writer aspect of it where they're trying to get these you know vying for these certain things that they want to do and want to take characters places and then get just shit on and 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 told absolutely don't worry everything's going to be perfect and. And just get screwed out of 
what they wanted. And that's really what it is. I mean, it's not like they're just getting slapped down. They're getting manipulated out of their vision. Yeah, and it's uh, you know a commentary on the writer really being used as a you know a word generator, if you like. That that people are no one's actually interested in their creativity or their vision. It's uh, and and even once the show is going in this new form, uh, you know, as as uh, ratings come in and other shows, including one. <laughs> The talking dog show becomes really right. popular. You know, uh, some focus group testing suggests it should go in another direction. Um, so it, it's that 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 whole intersection between the business of making TV and the creativity of making TV and how they eat each other. Well, business eats the creativity in this this case. Not saying that's always the case, but uh, it's not a happy relationship. Uh, lots of hilarious characters and and yes Matt LeBlanc playing whatever version this is of of Matt LeBlanc uh who you know he is he's Matt LeBlanc so he is the char- the actor who was in the hugely successful friends except he's the sort of least successful of the friends and and the running right. joke is right. that none of the other friends will talk to him uh and, and right. they're always calling back to douchey things that any time there's an incident where he's trying to get one of them to guest on the show for sweeps week and and every phone call he makes they're reminding him of douchey things he did um and he sees himself as as you know the lovable charming matt leblanc um uh, unfortunately most other people don't see him that way including uh, he's a conniving sex addict who you know has no real concept of human interaction no no so he has a yeah. he, he's of course separated from his wife um and and uh, you know that causes him a, a lot of grief and he's but he's one of those men who you know he wants the wife and family he just has absolutely no idea about relationships or being a decent right. human being as uh, and, and it's wonderful of course because we get uh, uh the the writer characters um Sean and Beverly he obviously is a star of their show although he's reluctant they're very reluctant with his casting in the beginning they develop quite a close relationship with him and so we get to see him through that but at, at first they're a bit starstruck because it's matt LeBlanc yes and yes and, and they're like oh this is wow and then they get to know him <laughs> and hate him and then he loves them and it's again that's the the sort of the just the workplace relationship part of it that is interesting to watch and uh beverly the writer becomes um becomes good friends with one of um with Carol, the network's uh, head of programming, um, and that's that's a great relationship to watch. And then you get to find mm-hmm. out about Carol, who's been screwing the head of the network for five years, and he won't leave his wife because mm-hmm. she's blind. And then she has an affair with Matt LeBlanc, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's not as, but it's it's done in this way that's also quite. Oh, I'm going to say sweet. Is that a bad word to use? Cheerful, cheerful, cheerful sweet. Yeah. But it's sort of. Uh, Again, I really like these characters, and and there's something, uh, yeah. you know, so different than House of Lies. But the relationships, like how how is a couple who are working together and creating together, do you keep your relationship going when you're thrown into this sort of really new environment that has you know new people and new social mores in it, uh, uh, new expectations of how you know people behave that were very different than what they what they had back home and how do they maintain that relation how do they how do you make new friends when you move to a new city um they have they run into one of their old pas who turns out he's lucked out selling a script in hollywood and as as you know now become a big movie writer and and director and how do they deal with them you know how they feel about him being on the on the up and up as they're struggling just to keep a show that they both right. agree they no longer actually right. like on the air. And, and the and the different interactions with the network, you know, people saying, "Oh, Merck, the head of the network, he he's so excited about your show, and he just thinks that you guys are the greatest, and you know wants to." And then two minutes later, it turns around that he's like, "Who are those people? What what show are they doing? Oh, we're still doing that. How you know? Why aren't we doing a talking dog show yet?" And. Uh, um, I love the the, uh, the hang around that works uh, uh, with uh, with Carol. Um, her name's Mira. Uh, she's played by Daisy Haggerty, and she just has that face. And she's like, "Oh meow, yes, meow, oh, meow. oh." 
Yes. I, I could just look yes. at her and I crack up. She is a lot of the minor casting in this, and and she's she's certainly the standout. Mm-hmm. She is so funny, just with an expression. Um, and uh, look, I think all the all the performances are, are great. Uh, you, you, and particularly, I mean, the main the the main actors and as the husband and wife writing team, it's really interesting because I swing back and forward between whose side I'm on. Like <laughs> it's like it's do like you, have... um, do you like them? Um, exactly, exactly. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Isn't that and I, and I'm sure that was done on purpose, right? Yeah, I mean, like I want to like them, and uh-huh. uh huh. Uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, they're not bad actors. They're they're fine actors. Oh yeah, yeah no no. It's it's just that they're they're a bit boring. Oh no, not even. No. I can actually imagine knowing them. I mean, uh-huh. uh, maybe that means they're a bit um. You and oh. it, uh, maybe that's part of the contrast is that they're in you know they're in the US and uh, they're in uh, amongst all these really big personalities and they're quieter uh-huh. personalities. I think that's part of the. The attraction yeah. of the show for me is is that contrast between an English sensibility and a, and a Hollywood one. Um, right. So they are, um, you know, a lot. They play their emotions a lot closer to the chest. Um, and as I said, they both get challenged by various things that happen and make decisions that affect their relationship. And that's that's where I find myself. You know, it's a it's like couples I've known where you're like oh my god how could he do that to you and then you're like oh my god how could she do that to you <laughs> right yes you know for I can imagine sympathizing individually with both of them and then wanting to slap both of them around as well but that's what I like about it it actually feels real mm-hmm. um, it feels um, and, and as things challenge their relationship and they, and they make connections with other people you're sort of like <gasps> <laughs> yeah uh, I, I, I like that about them they actually feel like people I could know. Like, and that's Do you the, find them a bit? They're supposed to be the genuine humans in a non-humanized world. Is essentially. Oh, I that's think. a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you I, like them? I do. I've gotten to like them, but they're very bland and they're very, you know, dry toast or milk toast if you prefer. Um, in these in this vibrant world, and I th- I think that's sort of the point is you know they're they're playing uh, the every man to to the crazy man. Um, I, I do like them, and and I think they do a great job. Um, it's it's. How far have you seen? I'm up to. I've just started season three. Oh, okay. So you know that uh, essentially. What yes, I, I know that. I'm um, trying to avoid spoilers. With, that's why I'm yeah. I'm, 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 um, I'm talking around the big because uh, I think they are. Uh, I mean, it's probably. I get mad at them. I get mad at them for fucking up their relationship because I like to see. I want to see the married couple stay married, <laughs> and they were a happy couple when they came there. So I get really pissed off every time they keep fucking it up for each other, and I, I just like just you know, it's just be honest with your wife and quit trying to sleep around or whatever. <laughs> Stay, stop talking with Matt LeBlanc. Worse. <laughs> yeah, don't take relationship advice from Matt LeBlanc and don't don't sleep no, with Matt no. LeBlanc. Um, but that's what I mean. That's don't let your wife around Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> that's um, that's what I like about it because it does actually feel like people. You know, it feels like a real life situation if you like, and you get invested in. Um, you know, to stop that, and you know, you're perfect together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And same with Carol oh, and Merck so, and that whole thing. Yes, and, so she has yeah. uh, uh, that classic, you know, she's been having an affair with the head of network for five years. And, you know, she's a smart, capable woman who, for some unknown reason, God knows why she's fallen in love with him, because, you know, um, I haven't actually seen the attraction there. Um, but she can't. But, you know, no. that doesn't matter. <laughs> she can't get herself out of the relationship. And actually, some of my favourite bits are, are Carol, the, the network programming head, and, and Beverly, the writer, and they they mm. they have this thing of going for for walks in the Hollywood Hills and getting stoned together, and um, they're they're often really nice little nets mm-hmm. between the two. Of them, so yeah, yeah, they are they're really interesting uh, to watch them play it out. I I, I like the show a lot. Um, <laughs> I have I, no one I know has seen it. <laughs> Uh, I think I got one of my friends to watch it. He and I'm like, that's not funny. And I'm like, it is funny. I think it's a very funny show. And in yep. the third third season, I think it's, it's the best season that they've had. And I think 
the writing is really strong. Look, and again, it's a show that combines, uh, um, you know, in this case, you know, some quite broad satire around the entertainment industry. It pokes fun both at Americans and English people, which as a Canadian and an Australian, I'm sure you and I can both appreciate. and uh, you know it does right. that bit of fourth wall breaking. <laughs> that meta that I'm, I I I get very moist over. Uh, Matt LeBlanc as Matt LeBlanc is just wonderful. Yeah. Although it did make me think because there's an episode of House of Lies that features Matt Damon as a douchebag version of Matt Damon, and mm-hmm. it's actually a hilarious episode. Yes. D- yeah. Just describe that episode a bit. Uh, I don't remember. You've seen it more recently than I have. Okay, so Matt LeBlanc comes into the no Matt. Once- no, Matt, uh, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. The mani- <laughs> Matt Damon uh, Matt comes Damon. in and he wants the man- management firm to find him a new, or construct him a new sort of, as he describes it, a Clooney-esque charity. Uh, he wants, he, he's sick of his, uh, you know, water charity because it's not, you know, sexy and butch enough and he wants to have something where he gets to, you know, be in some... Uh, war-torn country with an M16, uh, but he plays this version of Matt Damon who is absolutely, absolutely appalling um, and hilarious at the, at the same time. And that episode is just, it's its gold. But it did make me think how uh, when these actors play themselves on shows, they're often playing, as you and I have both referred to, a douchebag version of themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's something interesting in that. Uh are they doing that to try and point up the fact that that's often the public perception of actors or uh, particularly very famous celebrities? And by um, almost playing a, a high parody of that, they're trying to say, but of course, obviously, I'm the total opposite. Now, you know, you and I have no idea what Matt Damon and Matt LeBlanc are like in, in real life, but it did just occur to me that uh, often these, these actors play these douchebag versions of themselves and not a really, really nice version of right. that public persona. Is that because they think if they played the really, really nice version, everyone would, would assume they're the opposite? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. And it's it's sort of been an ongoing thing. I mean, it, it sort of changes based on the show. But do you, did you ever see the show, uh, the Chris Isaac show? Did you ever watch that? No. Uh, Chris Isaac, do you know who he is? Yes, uh, he's a singer song, singer songwriter guy. Yep. Um, he had a TV show for a while, and it was essentially him living in Hollywood or whatever, and he would interact with different famous people, uh, oh, and okay. they would play themselves, and they would play hyper versions of themselves. Um, but some of those people were played really great, sweet versions of themselves, and some of them played monsters. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, for some reason, when you were talking, that just reminded me of that show. Well, I was a, a, a sort of almost. This is one of the few things I'm embarrassed to say I loved, and I did watch all of it, even though it was crap at the end. Was Entourage, right. um, which of course was was based actually sure. based on Mark Wallenberg's um, move from uh, from New York to to Hollywood, and and I, again, I love that sort of form of um, playing around with the the fourth wall and and all that sort of stuff. And there was. Various versions and real life people again playing douchebag versions of themselves, um, or just versions of themselves, more or mm. less generally douchebag versions of themselves, except perhaps Sasha Gray, who played a, quite a nice character. Um, <laughs> and not at all like she was in the movies. Uh, right. anyway, naked. still naked, uh, yeah. and really good. I thought she was actually really good in it. Um, that's beside the point. Anyway, just an interesting observation about actors who play douchebag versions of themselves, and maybe they really are douchebags underneath it all. Who knows? I don't know any Who actors. Who knows? <laughs> but Matt LeBlanc plays a great douchebag, <laughs> and I really actually oh, enjoy I enjoy watching him. He's really funny. And and there is that you know that commentary because he is, uh, and certainly something he faces in the of the third season. You know, he's an older actor now. You know, he's not. The young hot guy he was in Friends. Right. He's not Joey anymore, right. even though that haunts right. him because, you know, that's all people know him for. And so he deals with that sort of leftover, you know, cannot ever <laughs> escape that role. And he is, with you his know, the stalker. Fact, <coughs> his stalker called Labia. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, there's some interesting stuff there about that, uh, you know, reciprocal relationship between actors and, and, 
in this case, a very extreme fan and how, you know, the mm. same time as, as, as hating her and taking out a restraining order, he also, you know, she's one of the few people who still, you know, unconditionally believes in him. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's funny too, and and it is something where you'll get engaged with the characters. Certainly, a um, look if you l- liked Friends or Mad About You, there's a flavour of that in here. Um, mm-hmm. I would, I was not. I mean, I watched both those shows, and I, I much prefer this. Um, in this terms is, of it, yeah, this is less sitcommy and more yeah. But it has, yeah. Yeah. um, But it does, you know, it is focusing on the relationships between these people. But in a, again, a little bit like House of Lies, using more of the things that we're used to seeing in one-hour dramas. And I have to say, you know, the first few episodes of House of Lies that I watched, there was so much Mm -hmm. in every episode. I didn't realize it was a half-hour show. I actually, yeah, and I actually thought that um, House of Lies was an hour show until I realised I'd watched five episodes and it hadn't been five hours (laughs) in one sitting. sitting. (laughs) And I thought, hang on, but there is so much packed in, and they do both use a lot of the conventions of of a dramatic series rather than of a sitcom series. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a a, a fuller feel to an episode. And they're filmed like a, a a full series. I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful lighting and DP and all that stuff. So, uh, really nice to look at both of them. And lovely that they're both. I mean, there's so few shows are set in LA, and they're both both set in LA. Very uh, uh, different, yeah. different but intersecting elements of LA. They're both, if you like, they could exist in the same universe. You know, it, it would. Oh, absolutely! You can yes. certainly imagine imagine Mark Lapidus oh, get, awesome. getting Marty Khan exactly. in for the studio or exactly. something. So that's the, that, a little bit. How of, awesome would it be to have the Lincolns hire the con? Oh. To come <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> uh, Showtime. That's a mashup we want to see, please. So if you're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, you're open to doing a, a whole episode that's a long form improv. Um, I think you need to do a crossover episode, house of episodes. <laughs> that would be great. Or yeah. episode um, of lies. So were you, were you surprised at the show? Had you heard anything about it? Look, I I think when it started, I had heard it. I'd actually thought it had been cancelled. That shows you how yeah. I was surprised it was still on yeah. and it's just been renewed again for a fourth season. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, have not heard it mentioned or reviewed. Uh, it certainly hasn't won any awards. Probably hearing Matt LeBlanc was in it put me off. Well, uh, Matt LeBlanc won a Golden Globe for Best Actor. Oh, did he? Well, there you go. I didn't even hear that. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that Mm -hmm. he was in it and not knowing anything about it actually put me off. Um, Mm. Even trying it out, because I just, I I had thought Mm. it was going to be a standard sort of sitcom, and it's not. you thought it was going to be pucks. <laughs> I thought it was going to be pucks. If the, uh, this, yeah. th- this doesn't make this is probably um, it feels more English than it does American in terms of comedy, and that's probably because it uses more of that dramatic structure in it. And I mean that entirely as an insult to American sitcoms. Um, it doesn't feel like a- <laughs> well, but, but it's funny that you say that because I was just reading on Wiki here. Although the majority of the show was set in Los Angeles, it was filmed mainly in the UK. You're kidding. Including the $35 million mansion uptown, uptown court as the house of Beverly and Sean Lincoln, with insert shots on location in LA. I had no idea. Oh, wow. Isn't that funny? That's amazing. Well, that probably says a lot yeah. then. That probably brings yeah. some of that. I'll say English sensibility without actually knowing what I mean by that, but it really <laughs> did feel. And and please, there are lots of really shit English sitcoms as well. Don't get me wrong, um, yeah. no, but I yeah. think the structure in this and and little um, English crossover. Um, Matt's lawyer is actually played by Nigel Planer, who most people will know from appearing in The Young Ones. There you go. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so obviously he could pop in because they were filming in his country. I had uh, not <laughs> thought of that. Um, so look, these are two shows I really, really would love you to watch. Um, they have both been renewed, so don't watch just to keep them on air. Watch because they will make your life better and you will laugh a lot and you will want to tell your friends about them 
and you'll be on board before your friends. And they won't believe you. And they you know, won't believe right. you. They won't believe you. And they'll say, ah, I don't want to watch a Matt LeBlanc show. And you'll say, no, he's really good. <laughs> then you can direct them to our podcast, which is available on SoundCloud uh-huh. and on iTunes. Or you can just look up tvchimwag.com, which will take you to our Tumblr site. So we're everywhere that you are. Tell your friends to listen to this podcast and then if they don't believe you, they will, of course, believe me and Ryan about why they should watch this show. Well, it's because we're experts, so they kind of have to believe us. They do. University of Tests have proved that we are right about all the TV show we watch. If you're ever wondering about a TV show, you got to ask an expert. Because, you know, like TV critics are pretty much the smartest people on earth, right? <laughs> oh, no, can we not call ourselves TV critics? Because, you know, I've seen them and that I want to have a T-shirt that says I'm not with them. We're, 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 in, we're informed and articulate audience members, just like the people who listen to our podcast. We're loud audience members. Very loud audience members. We're the audience members that talk through the whole podcast. No, show. we're not. Oh, I hate that. We're, yep. Oh, you! Oh. I know it's the worst. We are the worst. Oh no, I don't know. We mightn't be able to podcast together, Ryan. I might have to. Well, we can podcast together. We can't watch TV together, maybe. Oh, uh, maybe that's it. <laughs> but I think we're going to. I, aren't I we? think we may well. I think we may well. Anyway, that's House of Lies and episodes. Get onto it. Do we have any reviews from iTunes this week? Well, I was just going to take a quick look and see. I know that somebody said that they left one on, what was it, New Zealand? Oh, the Australian iTunes. Maybe we'll uh, look that up and um, uh, read that out in our next episode. Let's do that, and we'll spend some time uh, putting them together, because there's going to be so many, right? (laughs) Many, many. Uh, what are we talking about in our next episode, Jules? Do you know? Ah, uh, yes. Um, two, another two series uh, that some some of you will have watched: Sleepy Hollow, uh, which has just started filming its second season, and Halt and Catch Fire. Another series I bet many people haven't heard about. So tune in next week. And I've been Jules. And I've been Ryan, and if you've enjoyed it, please go ahead and tell a friend to tune in and listen to the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes, and please keep tuning in because we sure appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. And I'll be back next week to play a douchebag version of myself. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send mail to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.